You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. It is Tuesday. I'm so glad to have you with us. I pray and hope you had a wonderful 4th of July holiday weekend. And let's begin a new week this week, and it's going to be a blast. I want you to tag a friend. Let them know that we are live. You can get us on Facebook. You can get us on YouTube. Listen, it's going to be good. And I want you to send us your questions. As I'm teaching, you may have questions, and I want you to send your questions. I got my iPad here, and I'll answer your questions at the end of the uh, podcast. Now, sometimes the questions come in a little late after we conclude, so I don't get a chance to answer the question. So as the questions come up in your mind, send them. You can send them while I'm teaching, and then at the end of the lesson, I'll answer your questions. We began a series some time ago entitled The Perspective of Faith and the perspective that we should have as a believer is it is finished. This is our third lesson of a four-lesson series. So we got one more lesson to go. <clears throat> so we asked that question. That's a huge question. We said that the perspective of the believer in Christ, that's you and I, should be that it is finished. Say that. It is finished. Now, so we had to ask the question and begin to answer the question, okay, what is finished? If our perspective should be that it is finished, then we naturally ask the question, what is finished? I began in lesson one and lesson two to talk about what is finished. In lesson one, we learn that God the Father in heaven has finished his work in heaven and in the earth. He's on vacation. He's already finished. In our lesson two, we learn that Jesus, the Son of God, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he has finished his work of redemption. Now, after the ascension, the ascension, Jesus went back to heaven, as I said, and was seated. The apostle Paul, who is the apostle of grace, finished his work of getting to the church the finished work of Jesus. In other words, Jesus finished his work. But someone had to bring that revelation to the church of what Jesus had done in redemption. That was Paul's assignment. Paul's assignment was to deliver to the church the revelation of what God had done for man through Jesus Christ. His assignment, the Apostle Paul's assignment, was to get to the church 
the revelation of in Christ realities, who we are in Christ as believers. Where are we in Christ as believers? What do we have in Christ as believers, as Christians? And then finally, what can we do in Christ as Christians, as believers? So Paul's assignment was to get to the church or deliver to the church what God had done for man through Jesus Christ. Well, did Paul finish? Well, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, listen to the Apostle Paul. He said that I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. So the Apostle Paul finished his assignment. He delivered to the church what God did for man through Jesus Christ. Now, so when we look at this question, what is finished? The Father is finished. Jesus is finished. The Apostle Paul is finished. So now it's our responsibility as believers to put in proper perspective in our life and experience what God has done. God has done some things for us. As believers, walking by faith, we're to respond to what God has done, and we must put what God has done in proper perspective. We must view the finished work of the Father, the finished work of the Son, and Paul's finished assignment we must put it in the proper perspective. In other words, we must see our redemption the way the Father sees our redemption. Now, one of the greatest mistakes, and this will be a powerful insight that I'm, I'm going to communicate today. One of the greatest mistakes that we have made in the body of Christ is that we have called and viewed spiritual realities as promises. We've made everything promises. We viewed spiritual realities as promises. Oh, great mistake. Now, you're going to understand more about what I'm saying in that statement, but it's a great mistake, and I'll come back and reiterate that. Uh, after I give explanation. You see, there is a difference in Scripture between a promise and a spiritual reality. There is a difference between a promise and a spiritual reality. So when we look in the Scriptures, you know, we're redeemed, we're saved, you know, we're Christians, we're believers, and so the Bible is our guide for living. It is God's word to us. Now, in the Bible, in Scripture, in our God, there are promises and there are spiritual realities. Say that. Promises, spiritual realities. Promises, spiritual realities. And both are important. 
both the promises are important and the spiritualities are important, but we must not confuse the two. We must not call a promise a spirituality. We must not call a spirituality a promise. So you know what's next. We have to define the two. So what is a promise? A promise is a declaration that one will or one will not do something in the future. It is a declaration that a person, someone, will do something in the future, or it's a declaration that one or someone will not do something in the future. It is a declaration that one will or will not do something in the future. So a promise, promises are always future. Say that. Promises are always future future. For example, for example, if I ask you to borrow your car, and I'm going to do that right now, let's play it out. If you will let me borrow your car today, I will return it tomorrow. If you will let me borrow your car today, I will return it tomorrow. That's future. I have made a promise to you. And that promise is a declaration that I will do something, return your car in the future. And that's what a promise is. It's a declaration that someone will do something or will not do something in the future. Now, we see promises all through the Old Testament, promises all through the New Testament, and we're New Testament believers, and there are many promises. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, we have a promise. Now, watch this. God says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So notice God instructs us to give. Then he promises that it shall be given back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give to our bosom. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7, also we see promises. Now watch this. It says, be careful for nothing. Be careful. Don't. Be anxious. Don't worry about anything. Now watch this. But by prayer and supplication, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, here's the promise, the peace of God which pass all understanding shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So we see a promise. The Bible says we're instructed to be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything we're instructed to do, prayer, that's worship, 
supplication, that's a definite request. With thanksgiving, that's gratitude, let your request be made known to God. So we have the criteria that we have to follow, the instructions that we're given, and then God promises us that his peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So if we do this in the present, this will happen in the future. Now, so Luke 6, 38, and Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7, are promises because in each instance, God only obligates himself to act in the future based upon a prior action by us. That's a promise. He obligates himself to act based on a prior responsibility, a prior action that we're to perform, and he promises that he will do such and such in the future. That's a promise. Now, there's a difference between promises and spiritual realities. Now, this is where the the uh, misunderstanding, the confusion, and the ignorance lie. And I don't mean that in a ignorance in a derogatory sense. I just simply mean that Christians don't know the difference, uh, never been taught the difference between a promise and a spiritual reality. Now, listen, let's talk about a spiritual reality. We know what a promise is. Let's talk about a spiritual reality, and then I'm going to give you examples of it. And this is so important now. It's so important. We're laying the foundation for what we're going to say in our last le- in our last lesson in our next fourth session. Now, listen at this. What are spiritual realities? Spiritual realities are blessings that have already been provided to the believer based on the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. I'll say that again. Spiritual realities are blessings that have already been provided to believers based on the redemptive work of Christ. So now, talking about spiritual realities, if the action has taken place, then it's past tense. And if it's past tense, it's a spiritual reality and not a promise, because a promise is always future. Spiritual realities are spoken in the past tense, and that's how you can recognize them. That's how you can recognize them. Spiritual realities are spoken in the past tense. Now, here's, here's the thing that will set you free. I want you to make a mental note. I want you to go back. I want you to write it out. I want you to meditate on this statement. And then I'm going to give you examples. As it relates to the believer's inheritance in Christ. Now, you are a believer. If you're a Christian, if you receive Jesus Christ, you are a believer. You're a Christian. You're a believer. And as a believer in Christ, you have an inheritance. You have an inheritance that has been provided for you by the Father God. 
Okay, now listen at this. As it relates to our inheritance in Christ, the New Testament language is predominantly written in the past tense. I'll say that again. As it relates to the believer's inheritance, as it relates to your inheritance, as it relates to my inheritance, and we're going to see what that, that inheritance is in a moment. The New Testament language concerning our inheritance, communicating our inheritance, is predominantly written in the past tense. And this changed my life when I saw this. And I worked my way through the scriptures, and I saw that when it came to our inheritance, it was always written in the past tense. So I'm going to give you some examples now of spiritual realities, and then we'll conclude by looking at this mistake that we've made because we have turned spiritual realities and promises. We put spiritual realities off in the future, and so they can't manifest in our life because we put it out in the future. Now, listen at this. Our forgiveness Forgiveness of sin is, sin is a part of our inheritance. It is a part. Forgiveness of sins is a part of our inheritance. Colossians 2.13 in the New Living Translation says, You were dead because of your sins. Dead literally means separated from God because of our sins. And because of your sinful nature. So when we were not saved, unsaved, not born again, we were separated from God, and we had the nature of sin. We had a satanic nature. Now watch this. You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away when we were, were lost. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. Now, what that's saying, that Prior to receiving Christ, we were spiritually dead, separated from God. We had the nature of sin, the nature of Satan. When we received Christ, God made us alive on the inside in our spirit man. Our spirit man was recreated, that all satanic nature was taken out. We were no longer separated from God, but we were connected to God. We, we were in relationship with God. Now watch this. And the Bible says it all came about in response to the fact that God forgave, which is past tense, he forgave all our sins. So God on the cross and in Jesus' resurrection, forgave all our sin. Now, think about it. We were not born when Jesus was on the cross. We were not born when he was raised from the dead. So all our sins were future. We hadn't sinned yet. But ahead of time, he forgave all our sins. So that would have to include sins in the past, sins in the present, sins in the future are all forgiven. So under this new covenant, we don't try to get 
God to go back to the cross to forgive us. If we sin, we confess it. The word confess simply means to agree with God that it is sin and to agree with God that we're forgiven for it. And God, Jesus is in heaven saying, I pay for that sin. So our part is to agree with God that what we did or doing is sin. We don't justify it. We don't, we said no, it's sin. And I agree with you, Father, for forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness that you paid for 2,000 years ago. Now, that's past tense. Now, our deliverance from sin power, okay, we deliver from the sin nature, the nature of it, because we were sinners by nature. We no longer have a satanic nature in us, okay? But what about the power of sin? Okay, we still have to deal with sin. Has the, the power of sin been dealt with? Now, watch this. In Romans 6, 18, it says, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Now, watch this. The Bible says that we were made free from sin's power. So, as believers, and the Bible said we're servants of righteousness. So, as believers, we still can sin, but sin has no legal power over us. We have to choose the sin. Somebody said, well, I just couldn't help it. You know, that sin, that sin just made me. No, 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 no. The power of it has been broken. If you're a believer, the power of sin to make you sin has been broken. You are legally free from the power of it. In other words, you can walk away from it or you can choose to stay in it, but it doesn't have power over you because you've been made free and God sees you and I as free from sin. And it could be an addiction. It can be a habit. You have to begin to see that you're free while you're in bondage because of what God's word says. And that's what breaks the power of it. So many Christians are trying to get free from what God has already made them free. So they're not agreeing with God. They're agreeing with the cigarettes. So they're smoking the cigarettes or they're taking the drugs. And because they're smoking the cigarettes, taking the drugs, they think they're not free from it. I am saying you have to agree with God that you're free from the drugs, you're free from the cigarettes while you're smoking, while you're taking. And if you agree with God that that thing no longer has power over you, then your faith in what Jesus has done will break it over your life and you can walk away from it. Okay, now, we're redeemed from the curse it's a past tense thing. Galatians 3 said, Christ has already redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it's written, curses everyone that hangs on a tree. So 
what was the curse of the broken law? The curse of the broken law was fourfold, primarily. It could be other things, but primarily. is spiritual death. We're redeemed from spiritual death. It's sickness and disease. We're redeemed from that. Poverty, we're redeemed from that. And failure, every form of failure, we're redeemed from the curse of spiritual death, we're redeemed from the curse of sickness and disease, we're redeemed from poverty, and we're redeemed from every form of failure. Every form of failure. And the Bible says Christ has redeemed us. That's past tense. He's not going to do it. Now, we have to come in agreement with that for it to manifest in our lives. We have to respond in faith to what Jesus has already done. Fourthly, listen at this. Deliverance from Satan and demon forces. So many Christians, they're dealing with Satan like he has authority over them. They talk about the devil. The devil doing this. The devil got me doing this. The devil is this. No, no, you've been delivered from the devil. The devil is afraid of you. Demons are afraid of you. You've been delivered from their authority. Now, listen to what it says in Colossians 1.13. It says, who has delivered us from the power, the word power, that means authority. God has delivered us from the authority, the power of darkness. That's Satan. And he translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So now listen. You already delivered from Satan's authority. You don't have to beg Satan for nothing. Satan is under your feet. Satan knows you have authority. Demon knows you have authority, but they don't want you to think that you don't have authority. So they want you to be fighting them and, and coming up with them and, and asking God to get them off your back. You get them off your back. You have authority. You've been delivered. You don't have to pray to God to, to remove the devil. You don't have to pray to God, get the devil out of my mind. Get the devil off me. Get the devil. Stop the devil. No, the Bible says you submit to God and you resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Why? Because you've been delivered. Now, notice it says, has delivered us. Not going to deliver us. You're delivered from Satan and demons' authority. Acceptance, Ephesians 1, 6. It says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made, he has made, he has made us accepted in the blood. You don't have to do nothing to be accepted by the Father. The Father's already accepted you. You're accepted. Nothing you can do can make you more accepted to the Father. He's already made you accepted in the Father. That's past tense. Now, if you got any questions, you can send your questions in at this time. Listen worthiness. So many Christians are trying to be worthy to, to receive. I want, I want to be worthy to, to, to receive my inheritance. So they think they got to do this, 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 they got to do this, 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 they got to do this, 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 in order to be worthy. Now listen to what the Bible says in Colossians 1.12. It says, giving thanks to the Father who has made us meet the traditional King James Version says meet, M-E-E-T. That means qualified and worthy to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in life. So according to the scripture, we 
have been made me or made qualified. You're already qualified. You're already worthy to walk in your inheritance. Healing. First Peter 2.24 says, who is on self bear our sins in his own body on the tree? That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. You were healed. You were healed. You were. They say you're going to get healed. And all these Christians, they try to, God heal me. God, I want you to heal me. God, see, we're not agreeing with him. Jesus has already taken the strike. He's already bore your sickness, already bore your disease. And you're trying to get God to do something that he's already done. You're not agreeing with him. So it doesn't manifest because you think you're not. God says you were and you're saying you're not. It's past tense. Spiritual provision. Everything that you're going to need to be successful, he's already provided it for you. Ephesians uh, 1.3 talks about the spiritual side. God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Ephesians 1.3. God has blessed us. So they're a Christian trying to get blessed. Give me a blessing. I'm waiting on a blessing. i got to get me a blessing. The Bible in Ephesians 1.3 says God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessings. Well, you say, I need some natural blessings. Well, 2 Peter 1, 3 says, God has given unto us all things that pertain to life. God has given. God has given. God has given. Everything that we'll need, that's material provision, to be successful in life. That's 2 Peter 1, 3. What about victory? The Bible says in 1 John 5, 4 and 4, 1 John 4 and 4, ye of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Bible says you have overcome. You have overcome. We shall overcome. You see, you're still trying to overcome. We shall overcome. See there, you're, still, you're trying to overcome when God says you've already overcome. Now, freedom. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Stand fast in the liberty, that freedom, whereby which Christ has made us free. Christ has made us free. Christ has made us free. All these Christians talking about that bunch. I'm in bound. I'm bound by this. I'm bound to this. I'm, you know, I'm this. You know, I'm an alcoholic, and I, I always be an alcoholic. I'm this, and I'm this. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. Now, what I shared with you in this lesson is I've shared with you promises, spiritual realities. Our inheritance in Christ is predominantly uh, is predominantly written in the past tense. You can send your questions in now. And listen, you can always follow me on YouTube and Facebook. You can follow me on YouTube and Facebook at Mike Moore Ministers. Mike Moore Ministers. And I mentioned that again when I close. Now, I want to close this lesson 
because this lesson was just set up for the next lesson. But I want to make some critical points as I close. Listen at this. If God has already done something about our need, then his responsibility has ended and ours has begun. For by grace you're saved through faith. If God has already done something about our need, his responsibility has ended, our responsibility has begun. Now listen at the second statement. Faith is our response to what Christ has done. Faith is our response to what Christ has done. So if Christ has healed us, provided for us, made us free, if Christ has redeemed us, if Christ has provided for us, uh, things that the eyes cannot see, the ears cannot see, then faith is our response to what he has done. In other words, in faith, we must believe it, believe what he said. If he said you were here, we must believe that. Then we must confess it. Because we got to agree with it. We can't start off disagreeing with it. We can't start off. See, if, if Christ has made us free, if we're set free, sin no longer has no power, that's where we have to begin. That's our response. We agree with it. Okay, you said that I'm free. You said that I'm delivered. You said that I'm healed. I agree. I believe. I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm not going to talk against that. I agree. Okay, I believe it with my heart, then I say what God says. I'm responding by saying what God says. I'm not going to say anything different than what God says. Then I have to bring my actions, bring my behavior in line with my agreement. I have to bring it in line with what I believe. I have to bring my behavior in line with what I am saying with my mouth. Now I'm responding in faith. I can't just do nothing. It's not going to happen manifest if I do absolutely nothing. Yes, the work is finished, but the Bible says, for by grace, that's what God does, are you saved that covers everything through faith. Faith is my response. I have to respond to what God is doing. I have to act out on what I believe. Now, listen to this. You can recognize that you're mistaking a spiritual reality for a promise when you're trying to get God to do what he's done. Now, whenever you try to get God to do what he's done, then you're mistaking a spirituality for a promise because you're trying to get him to do what he said has already taken place. Now, faith begins to rest in the finished work. There's no anxiety. There's no worry. There's no frustration because you believe that it is finished. 
And what you're doing is you're just responding to what God has done. Now, we're going to stop here, but you have to listen to the fourth lesson. You just have to listen to the fourth lesson. You got to listen to the fourth lesson because we're going to talk about breaking free from a promised land mentality, breaking free from a promised land mentality. We're going to walk you through that. You're going to see it and it's going to change your life. I thank you so very much for uh, you being with us today. I do have a question um, here and it's a really good question. I mean, it's, it's a really good question. Um, and I'm glad you asked this question. It is, why is it such a struggle for many to claim the in Christ realities? That is a great question. Why is it such a struggle for many to claim an in Christ reality? Okay. Okay. I'm going to answer the question. And then I want you to listen to next week because I'm going to embellish it. I'm going to expand on it. It is it's such a struggle for many to claim in Christ realities for the same reason that it was a struggle for Israel to possess the promised land. The reason they struggled to possess the promised land was because there were occupants in the promised land. And they 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 won't do any fighting. There were some pro- occupants. The reason why it's a struggle for Christians to claim and possess in Christ's realities because they are occupants in our promised land. They're occupants in our inheritance. I'll put it like that. In other words, sickness is occupying. Poverty is occupying. Satan is occupying. And and because God is speaking from a spiritual position, we are allowing what we see to dominate what we believe in our response. I'll say that again. The Israelites struggle possessing their inheritance because of the giants, what they were seeing. So God said one thing over here. They saw giants over here. So what God said was spiritual. What they saw was natural. It's true in our day. When God says you were healed, he's speaking from a his position, a spiritual position. We struggle because we feel and we see sickness in our bodies. We struggle, God says, I provided all your need, everything you need in life. But we see lack. We see I don't have a job. We see I have this. So we're operating more by sight than we are by faith. Faith has to do with the invisible. So most Christians are moving based on what they see. So it's a struggle because they're not believing what they can't see. And if they will believe what they can't see, then what they can't see will manifest in their lives. But that's a struggle because we have been conditioned to walk by sight and not by faith. That is an outstanding question.
And it's gonna it's gonna mean even more when I walk you through it. Because that's what Israel was dealing with. That their struggle was there were occupants and there were squatters in the promised land. There were people in the promised land who had no right to the promised land because God had given them the promised land. Okay, it was God's and he could do what he wanted with what was his. He gave it to Israel. But there were people in that land that it didn't belong to. And that's what's happening in our lives. Satan is a thief. He's a squatter. And most Christians don't want to deal with that. They don't want to deal with that. Okay. Great question. Outstanding. We're going to finish up in our next session. Look forward to seeing you next time.